good to be back in the sanctuary and be able to gather around God's table. Peace be with you who are here and with you who are following our worship through the streaming. Maybe you have heard about the wildly popular and awarded Netflix series, The Crown. Maybe some here have even watched parts of it or the whole thing. In one episode, we follow the royal family and in particular, the late Prince Philip during the time the first moon landing took place on July 20th, 1969. Prince Philip is absolutely taken by the whole thing and captivated by the technological resourcefulness and old-fashioned bravery of the astronauts themselves, whom he says are too busy achieving something spectacular to get bogged down in petty earthbound concerns. As, as it happens, he also starts feeling dissatisfied with his own lack of achievement and searches for inspiration. In a nice twist of the story, during this time, a new chaplain starts as the Dean of Windsor, and this priest invites Philip to take part in a retreat he has opened on the castle grounds, hoping to encourage and nourish tired priests on the edge of burnout. Philip, not too impressed by all the other middle-aged participants' self-reflections, aspirations, and questions of faith, gives them a condescending talk about what real achievements look like and what real man should be aspiring for, thinking obviously about his moonwalking idols. So when Neil Armstrong, Michael Collins, and Buzz Aldrin accept the Crown's invitation to visit Buckingham Palace during their celebratory world tour, Philip is thrilled to meet with them and even arranges a personal interview to be able to learn from their great achievements and personal victory. But in a dryly comic scene, when he asks them what being on the moon was like, he becomes deeply disappointed by their mundane answers and their elementary questions about palace life. He realizes the astronauts were not gods, but normal guys from America. Now in today's gospel, in this familiar story, we hear about a man who comes running to Jesus as Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem. The man falls on his knees before Jesus. And the man has an urgent and important question. Teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? 
Before we consider deeper Jesus' answer, let's look closer at this person St. Mark tells us about, who is in search for meaning and answers about how to live a good life and to do what God calls him to. We actually do not know anything about him other than the question and the fact that he has wealth, is in good standing, and has lived according to what he thinks his faith and religion requires of him. Or maybe we do know some more. In this story, I would like to think about this man as roughly my age. That is, he's no longer young. He has had time to live, learn, and in his case, the chance to make properties and some money. Yes, I would like to think about him as middle-aged. And what happens to us when we reach this stage in life that we call middle-aged? For many, it means we need to reevaluate the life we have lived and the choices we made. We may feel that what has carried us through early life now needs renegotiating. If we define crisis as some sort of turning point that can lead to a situation, uh, lead a situation to more than one outcome, a midlife crisis is not only about buying sports cars or changing spouses or taking up marathon running. For many believers, it can also refer to the strong need to renegotiate their humanity and their call from God in the light of maturity, an invitation to wisdom that life has brought. Even those, and maybe particularly those, who have come to faith through a strong conversion experience, found God and lived fulfilled lives, may feel that what has carried them through life quite a long way is not enough. Old problems might return. Some kind of discontent could start to spoil things. And there might be stuff that was not touched by the transforming moment and needs to be revisited and reworked. And this is where I see the running man who kneels before Jesus. I see his question not as a trick or an opportunity to show off his religiosity, but as a result of an honest attempt to examine his inner life. He clearly has lived a good life and done what society and his religion requires of him. But at this point, he needs to know. He needs to discover what it is God wants him to do. 
and he needs changes in his life. He needs to know what to do next. And that's where it gets tough because Jesus tells him exactly what he should do next. He should sell what he has and give to the poor. Then he'd get his treasure in heaven. And then he could come and follow Jesus. This would be the change that he'd been so longing for. But he's not ready for that. He turns around and goes away sad, grieving from the encounter with Jesus because he had great wealth and wasn't ready to leave it behind. Once again, we see in the Bible the tension possessions and wealth bring to the scene. We see the emphasis that the whole scriptures lay, lays on the difference between those who have and those who have not. Both the Old Testament and the New Testament address and focus on the economic reality of all times that the world does not treat all God's children the same. And while some have too much, others have nothing. The prophet Amos points to this in today's reading, particularly in the context of courts of law. Even there, the poor and the innocent are not safe but suffer unjust taxation, taxations, while the rich escape justice through their wealth. There are those who oppress the innocent and take bribes and deprive the poor of justice in the courts, writes the prophet. This, frankly, could have been written today, don't you think? But at this point, I want to invite us to reflect not only on the social evils of unjust distribution of wealth, but on the impact wealth can have on those who possess it. More precisely, why it can't be a hindrance to answer God's call. And in the context of Mark, a hindrance of following and staying with Jesus. Be like him, bear our own crosses, even until the bitter and humiliating end. And this surely appears to be the case with the man who came running to Jesus with his urgent and important existential question. He just couldn't do what Jesus asks him to. And here, of course, we have Jesus' famous comparison between a wealthy person and a camel. It is more difficult for the rich to enter the kingdom of God than for the camel to squeeze through the narrowest of gates. Now, there's a multitude of examples from Christian history 
with the spiritual danger of collecting wealth and material possessions is acknowledged. Obviously, we have the testimony from Acts, how the first Christians shared everything they had. Even more radical is the example of the desert fathers who went into the desert to be on their own, giving up all material possessions to live a life of austerity. This they presumably did because they wanted to discover who they were and what God wanted from their life with nothing to distract them. And the things they found living in these materially sparse places was that inner life comes to life and things happen. Later, the monastic movement upheld the principle of praying and working and not gather individual wealth. Poverty or not having anything on your own was a virtue and was to be strived for. However, the monasteries themselves and uh, as well as the top of church hierarchy, they became very wealthy, but that's another story. When talking to his friends and disciples, Jesus warns against the danger, the spiritual danger of being rich. His words are easy to ignore and misinterpret, especially if you're not rich. You could say, Jesus is talking about the rich. Why should I then listen to him? This word's a warning. I'm not rich. Could it be that spiritual danger is lurking elsewhere as well? Could there be things holding me back from following Jesus, no matter my economical status? Could there be things that I cling too much to and stand in the way of fulfilling God's offer to me? You betcha. Another thing that really characterizes the middle life are the changes we experience in our family life. Those of us with children see them grow and leave home. We might see our parents getting old and die. We might see siblings, relatives, and friends change and leave our lives. We might see fundamental changes in our intimacy with our spouse. These family changes can be the greatest crisis of middle age because they are what define us and create our identity from the moment we are born and ever since. I think we should read Jesus' words about leaving our sisters and brothers, mother and father, our children and home, in this light. At middle age, it is time to grow up, look inward, and examine who you really are in the eyes of God, who does not define you by your possessions, or your family. We also become acutely aware of midlife, at midlife, that time does not stop. 
and that our days are numbered. This too can be a blessing if we embrace our life as it is and dare to immerse ourselves in the prayer we are given in Psalm 90. Teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Back to the prince and his self-examination at mid-age. We left Prince Philip in his disappointment after meeting the astronauts with whom he had been so disillusioned with. We follow him to another meeting at the retreat with the dean and the group. Having realized his own need to look inward and search for what matters the most, he now tells the group he has lost his faith following his mother's recent death and asks for their help in restoring it because faith is what he felt he needed at this time in his life. He knew that what matters is what you do next. And what he did next was to ask for help. We don't know what happened to the rich man who came running to Jesus and then turned sad and grieving away because he didn't feel ready or able to say goodbye to his possessions and follow Jesus. But it matters also what he did next. Maybe he took the words Jesus spoke to him to heart and let them change himself. That, have, that must have not been easy and even impossible but then we hear the words of Jesus himself. With man this is impossible, but not with God. All things are possible with God. That is why God can find us, meet us and transform us in, at every turn and in every situation in our lives. Young, middle-aged, old, rich or poor. Praise be to God. Amen.